Welcome to the Master Phil in Your Corner podcast. Join Master Phil as he takes on all matters that affect your health, safety, and self-reliance. If you'd like to become a sponsor to promote your products and services with our audience, contact us. Strength and honor! All right, here we are, live with Master Phil in your corner. Looking fresh in undefeated studios, and we have a special guest today, good buddy of mine, Rolando Garcia the Third. Rolando is awesome. We're gonna we're gonna get into this. It's funny because um, I met. I see Orlando. Orlando, we we met uh, RKC one. Yeah. Together, right? Yeah. And then we went to RKC two together. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And you know, we 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 hit it off. You know, both Jersey guys, both you know, big time martial artists at the time. Um, Orlando was uh was uh, running his studio for the Bad Factory Martial Arts. Uh, so, you know, I want to want to get into that a little bit. Uh, you know, but but prior to that. You know, he uh, graduated from a nice little Ivy League school, Cor- Cornell, right? <laughs> and uh, I don't think you did too much uh, with that after you just after you graduated. Did you uh, did you go into the corporate world at all, or did you just go right into your martial arts? Uh, a bit of both. I know that um, uh, once I once I did Bad Factory, I also went into the corporate realm. I went into Equinox, which within yeah. a year I was in management and eventually, you know, a good portion of my career was there about a good 10 years yeah. uh, of management and then moved on. And my entire career has been in corporate fitness um, management. And, and uh, yeah, that's been my career and my, my martial arts practice has um, stayed pretty much a very sustaining part of, of my own practice. Uh, that's great. That's great. We all need our outlet and, you know, we need to, we need to have our thing that's a little bit different than, than what we do every day at work. But yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, I look at what you did and, uh, you know, after, after you got your RKC two, I believe that's when you got hired over at Equinox, right? Around that time. Yeah, it was that time. And it was, uh, it was an interesting time because those were the days, 2008, 2009, when kettlebells was still like this unique, kind of woo-woo thing where it had to be chained up. It couldn't just be like public access. And now 12 years later, everyone has a kettlebell. And apparently I found out that um, they're sold out right now. They're still. They're sold out. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's pretty wild. Somebody's calling. James Hill is calling in. Let's put James on the air. All right. Okay, he's not on. <laughs> okay, so uh, we'll take we'll take calls later. But um, yeah, it, it's crazy. They, I saw that article too. That kettlebells are one hundred percent sold out. It's funny because uh, you know when when this whole situation occurred, you know I'm like, what the heck am I gonna do? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because they shut us down, they said gyms are shutting down New Jersey on um, was it uh, eight o'clock on Monday, March sixteenth. Mm. And so, so I go home, and I'm fuming. <laughs> I'm not. I'm like, what am I going to do? What are my people going to do? What right. am I, what, how am I going to have income? What's going on here? This is what I do. I mean, I, you know, I teach at a college too, but I said, uh, so 
turn my wife, I go, I got to do something. So I went with the Facebook Live. And what I did was I said, you know, this is going to be a test for me as an instructor. I went and I told all my clients to come by, pick up two kettlebells, a big one, a small one. And we're going to do, I'm going to lead them through live classes. Yeah. Every day. On, online with uh, Facebook and they get to borrow two kettlebells. So I got those going. And then between the martial arts and the kettlebells, we're doing, um, you know, two classes a day live. And then if they can't, you know, go to the, the live version, it's, it's recorded on there. So right now there's like 50, 60 videos up there for people to train with mm -hmm. everything from knives to kettlebells to body weight. But, um, they didn't mean to get there that quickly, but Hey, you know, this is an organic thing. I, I want to talk more about, you know, where you came because now kettlebells, when we first were doing it, people looked at us, kettlebells, cowbells, cannonballs. You know. <laughs> yeah. cannonballs back then. Cannonballs, right? Right. And, and now they're all over. They're in Super Bowl commercials. Yeah. They're, on, uh, they're everywhere you can imagine. Um, and, you know, hey, you know, we're, we were there. And, and you know, I, I want to talk about, though, like how you took your martial arts and kettlebell knowledge and just crafted yourself. I mean, you, you did some great things over at Equinox. I mean, you moved yourself up from a personal trainer to managing the trainers to to trainer management and i mean you were you were having you're telling about these clients you had that were you know paying like twenty six thousand dollars a year to yeah work out i mean yeah it's one, one of my mortgage yeah. <laughs> we and uh at that time the we kettlebells had gotten into into that culture to such an extent that it, your warm-up was walking with 232 kilos Wow. And can you imagine like six years prior to that, 2008, 2007, everyone's going to look at you like, I'm going to do what? <laughs> Where's my bench? Where's my inclined bench? Girls. Yep. But, you know, can you imagine being able to tell um, elite clients who are like the top 1% of the top 1%, yep. you're going to do half kneeling halos, you're going to do uh, over-unders, and then you're going to do um, uh, farmer's walks, clean and press. And they would just say, yep. Whereas just a few years prior, everyone was just, whoa, 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 whoa. What is this? You know, doesn't, won't that hurt my back? Oh, uh, how right? often do you hear that? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, are, you, are you familiar with the book, uh, The End of Back Pain? Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, you know, Dr. Pat Rothrow, he was my client mm. for 10 years. And yeah. Uh, yeah, in the beginning, thanks me for the, the kettlebell movements, but how, you know, I use kettlebells to help back pain. Yes. And it's, it's fixed so many, so many backs and, uh, man, and it fixed my own back. I mean, you know, Brazilian yeah. Jiu-Jitsu martial artist, you know, your neck, your back, they're always talking to each other. <laughs> and so kettlebells absolutely fixed it. And so now it's a big part of my martial practice. Now that everyone's quarantined, yeah, uh, we're all staying at home. And if you're, if you're one of those lucky people that have kettlebells, I know you do. I do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We have, technically, in many ways, this is a, it's a good time for us to really get in there and, and kind of, um, I know as part of my own practice, merge it. So now it's a lifestyle. It's not exactly. a, it's not this, this thing where 
It's something on the side. It's just a big part of your life. Loaded movement, ballistic movement, movement that translates into your life so that now you're more resilient. You're more resilient. Uh, that's what makes this type of training, especially in this kind of environment now, so valuable. I'll share this story with you. I, when I first started in 2008 as a trainer, Mm -hmm. uh, one of my colleagues at the time was, um, she was amazing, uh, trainer and she was about six, two, she was built like a model, but here I am, this RKC is it? Well, let me show you how to do this. I, uh, I'll, I'll show you a, a kettlebell pistol. You know what a pistol is? And you know, she's from Lithuania. Of course she knew, but she yeah. entertained me. And here I am with my eight kilo bell. Yeah, you can use it as a counterweight. She goes, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And she said, let, let me show you something. And I said, okay, let's see. And then my manager at the time just nudges me and says, she's a Lithuanian athlete, like a decathlete, all those things. She gets on a platform with a 32 kilo and she's pistoling up and down, up and down. And then she does 10 one leg. She jumps off and she goes, you like me to do other leg? You can do whatever you want after that. <laughs> I'm not going to stay away. And she, she, she had a story for me that stayed with me. And it's a, I think about this guy a lot. And her dad, who was apparently um, Russian military mm -hmm. and had a kettlebell. And I asked, so what was that like? And she just kind of goes, my father trains kettlebell snatches one hour every day in with 32 kilo in basement. It's, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I repeat myself. <laughs> 32 kilo in basement snatches one hour every day. And that just... It blew me away because it, it gave me uh, an insight into the culture that yeah. kind of this is what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. And I know everybody else is doing jazzercise and, you know, bands and curls and bodybuilding. This guy had the mental fortitude to just say, no, I'm going to go downstairs in the middle of Russian winter. <laughs> I will do snatches with a 32 for one hour every day of his life and now that we're in here we're kind of in our own kind of siberian winter so to say yeah. uh i think about that guy a lot and what that meant meaning look at this trainer can you imagine i just kind of went up to her and might have felt a little patronized by me <laughs> You know, <laughs> you know, RKC, you know, eight, yeah, eight kilo kettlebell, but she still just kind of took it with good grace and then proceeded to kind of uh, lecture me and kind of, you know, really done. You know, it's it, you know all this is bringing some stuff to mind, and uh, so many things are going through my head. You know, my my grandfather was a boxing trainer and mm. old school guy. Got me into this stuff, and and he got me into the um to the old catch wrestlers. You know, Frank oh, Gotch, yeah. one of my family, I mean, just like just yes. hardcore guys. Yeah, oh, yeah. And and then I, I you know I studied the way these guys trained. Yeah, I mean they were minimalists, so. I've just tried to make my whole 
my whole regiment is very minimalist based. I mean, it, to me, if I, if I had four pair of kettlebells, a jump rope, a pull-up and dip station, that's all I need the rest of my life. You're set. Set. And and you know what? And this is basically proving that theory because, I, I mean, like, the minimalists right now are thriving. Yes. <laughs> you know, but the big gyms, I mean, if you need all this equipment, you need, you know, battling ropes, you need these, uh, you know, big mate weight machines, you need heavy racks. I mean, how many people have that in their house? Nobody, nobody. Nobody. Come on. I mean, I mean we're fitness have, professionals and we don't have this. Right, exactly. Can you have a couple of, uh, can you have a couple of kettlebells in the house? Heck yeah. Do you have a floor? That's <laughs> right. I carry a jump rope in my backpack. I have a jump rope with me all the time. So, and as our as our famous our famous uh, chief instructor once said, if you have a kettlebell, you have a gym. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> handheld gym, right? I have a handheld gym. gym. And yes. there's nothing more true about that. And I love what you said about the minimalist approach to it because Carl Gotch, uh, Gamma, all of those guys mm -hmm. yep. who worked with so little and got to elite levels pre-steroids right none of us are ever going to see right this th th yes these guys these guys i mean the, their dimensions were just incredible and yeah. what did they have they had bought they had uh basic bars they had kettlebells they had uh body weight exercises yeah and they were just huge yeah and also they were martial artists uh yeah. they were wrestlers yep they were the oldest martial art in the entire world, the history of the world, yes. wrestling, they were all wrestlers. Yep. And that's, uh, I know that that is the, the one challenge I know I have to deal with, but I'm sure you've seen this in social media where you have the Gracies, all types of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu instructors. Yep. Well, you take a kimono, you take a pillow, and then, you know, you, you choke your pillow, you know, you have all of these drills, but that's the only thing that's difficult, but, you know, by marrying uh, the kettlebell, which I appreciate now more than ever, one, the minimalism of it, right? Yeah. Number two, now more than ever, the kind of strength, the kind of athleticism that's needed in this day and age. I mean, right now, technically, I'm a little disappointed that uh, the pandemic does not include in zombies yet. because I've been <laughs> I'm good to go. Because <laughs> I thought... <laughs> I thought all of this hard style swinging was going to, all right, well, I need cardio. I got to outrun these guys, right? <laughs> that's that's what I thought was going to happen. But no, it's really stay at home. But yeah. now <laughs> you, you just stay at home. But you now we're there. That's it. That's what you do. That's, that's your, pan, that's your, uh, that's your uh, pandemic, you know, end of the world scenario. You just sit there and swing some bells. But I think that's that's where, that kind of um, – that kind of resilience, that type of athleticism that you need. Number one, it doesn't go away. When no. you when you're doing super explosive strict swings, what that does for your hips, what that does for your entire body, your entire system, that resilience mm -hmm. is so key, especially nowadays, because we're dealing with a pandemic that deals directly with your health. Oh yeah. Here's the thing, you, you know, um, you know, as I was uh, looking on this, you know, look, look, you know, we're obviously where everyone's, you know, checking out the, the COVID and talking about coronavirus and, you know, everyone's 
you know, should be concerned with with deaths and so forth. But um, I, you know, I was reading a, a very recent article by Life Science mm. in, in the U.S. You know, we're t- looking at like the mortality rates, and you know, for people 85 and over that get it, they have a 10 to 27 percent mortality rate. Right. Okay. Um, so the 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 group from you know 65 to 84. They're at three to eleven percent. Again, you know, it's it's still a moving target right now. Right. Uh, and then uh, you know, you go to the next next group down, fifty-five to sixty-four, one to three percent. Okay. And then fifty-four to twenty, that age bracket, it's less than one percent. Right. Mortality rate. So, and then you, you look at so, but look at the other mitigating circumstances. You know, the number one is is the side effects of being obese. Yes. You know, we have, you know, over 40% of this country is obese and 72% is overweight. Yes. And you have have diabetes, you have high blood pressure, uh, you know, you have other cardiovascular diseases that are caused by this. And, and you know what, when you have an extra stress, like uh, a, a virus or a flu or something like that, it's going to overtax a taxed system already. What are your chances of survival? And you're right. They're not, they're not really discussing this. This is not being addressed. And the one thing that's really, really getting, getting to me here is that, you know, the mainstream media and so forth, no one is talking about, Hey, why don't, why don't we build our immune systems? Why don't we become healthier? Why aren't right. we, Taking vitamin D. Why aren't we jacking up the vitamin C? Why aren't we, you know, building our immune systems? Why aren't we losing weight? Why aren't we getting in better shape? So why aren't we improving our lung capacity? I mean, kettlebells help people with asthma incredibly. So do martial arts. Right. That's right. And I think that that's where it's um it's very interesting because you and I, being fitness professionals, when we're dealing with clients, right, we have a very extensive questionnaire around health background, surgery background, mm-hmm. any um, uh, medical history, anything that can prevent you from doing anything. Because what we try to do responsibly as fitness professionals, because we're going to be responsible for their progress, is we're trying to create a predictive model off of how they're going to respond to stress. Because mechanical stress, cardiovascular and metabolic stress, We want that to be something that they benefit from. One of the things that is very frustrating to uh, a lot of fitness professionals is that the only marker that we have for the population, and this is where uh, I'm seeing it in social media, people that I've spoken to about how to deal with this, is that you're really only dealing with one marker, which is chronological age. And you mentioned all of it. People 85 and up, well, we're seeing on social media that a guy's 104 years old, beat it, and then they ask him, how do you feel? And then he goes, I don't know, just want to go home. <laughs> that, was on, that was carried by a news outlet. That's all he said. But then you have people who are much younger, and it's on social media, and that person died, and it was a, a very horrible death. So clearly, uh, a population that is saying, hey, we're being told that if you're older you're at risk but you're at younger you're not at risk but we're seeing other outlets carrying yeah but young people also get it and then they die and then old people also get it but they don't die a big part of what's causing the confusion is that we don't have a predictive model 
You and me, we have FMS. We have the Carbonin formula. We have uh, in-body, body calipers, movement calipers. Uh, um, not movement calipers, but we have movement screens. Hey, let me see how you deadlift. Let me see how you squat. Then we can create a predictive model to a, a client and then say, based off of this, this is what I'm going to recommend. And this is how it will affect your body composition, your VO2. So that's a lot, in my opinion, mm-hmm. of what's hurting this population. But that said, and I mentioned this in our conversation um, recently, mm-hmm. one of the things that is always bothering me around the conversations with COVID is, well, how, 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 what if somebody has good body fat composition between mm-hmm. 8 and 15? How does that affect them? Uh, how does it affect them if their VO2 max is of a particular number? How mm-hmm. does it affect them if they have a high rate of eccentric contraction of the heart? Yeah. So, and so, because what we're trying to do, all of us, uh, as intelligent individuals, intelligent population, wherever you fall in this, is, well, I understand we're at war. I understand we're at war with the virus. How do I prepare? And how do I arm myself? And if all you're getting is just stay at home and be quiet. Yeah, wash your hands for 20 seconds. And wash your hands and sing happy birthday twice. There's a part of this very educated population that's going to say, you know what, I I need a little more than that. And that's where I think a lot of this frustration is coming from. Yes. Yes. You know, the other thing that's not being addressed, you know how how you're talking about, uh, you know, the the promoting pot smoking. All right. I don't know your take on that, honestly, but um, when you're smoking, and you're vaping and doing things of that nature. What is that doing to your lungs? Right. And what is it? And where does this particular virus attack? Attacks right. the lungs. So you're telling me you're putting in something that's several, you know, anywhere from 500 to, uh, you know, 800 degrees heat into your lungs, destroying lung tissue, yep. diminishing your capacity, and then you have this virus that invades it. I mean, I'd like to see those statistics on how many of those young people were they pot smokers? Were right. they vapors? I don't see any of that. You I won't. don't see how. I, I don't even. See, no, we won't. The, we you won't know, I, you're not going to see that. You know, maybe you see a picture of a guy in his 40s who dies from it. And you know what? The ones I've seen haven't been in such great shape. <laughs> I, I I love that you said that because again, um, I hope I don't get in trouble here, but I'll say it anyway. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you cover these stories. It sounds a lot like uh, those kind of stories when all of a sudden someone's a shooter. You know, he was so nice. He was so quiet. I can't believe one, two, three, four, five, right? Right. And then all of a sudden, but just because someone is quiet and seems gentle, it doesn't mean that they have demons that they're not wrestling with, right? Exactly. So the same thing with human physiology. Someone can be absolutely vibrant. Someone can absolutely have all the energy in the world, but all right. So did up anyone take a look at their blood panel recently? Did anyone take a look at their C-reactive protein count? Did anyone take a look at their uh, testosterone count recently? What is their biological age versus their chronological age? What is the mitochondrial biogenesis count? So when we say someone was so young, so energetic, 
I can't, I guess COVID just pretty much takes everybody as a fitness professional. There's a part of me that says, all right, let's play safe and sorry. But the professional part of me wants to say, I think we ought to dig a little deeper. And to your point about vaping. Oh my God. Uh, I read an article several years ago that it's actually worse than cigarette smoking because at least with cigarettes, you have a filter. That's one. That's one. And this one goes straight into your lungs. So what does that do to your lungs? That's number one. So I think that that's where some of these lifestyle questions, and I think individuals like you and uh, me to a lesser extent, because now I'm, I'm in management, I'm not a Ronin anymore. I, I'm, I'm the manager and I just take care of the HR stuff, right? Um, the fitness professionals like you and a lot of our colleagues who understand very intimately what is an immuno response, an immu uh, a reactive immuno response to this? What can we communicate to our clients? What can we communicate through our social media feeds so that at the very least we can arm ourselves physically and psychologically during a very challenging and very confusing time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other thing you brought up, you brought up psychologically too. I mean, if you're sitting around just watching Netflix and oh. drinking oh. And, and drinking, okay, what's that going to do to your head? Oh I mean, my gosh. You, you have to work out. You have to release those endorphins. You, right. The body has to move. It wants to move. It doesn't right. want to sit there like a lump. I mean, uh, you know, this is a you know a point of contention that I have uh, that uh, you know trying to to get this word out without you know I don't want to be up on a soapbox, but mm -hmm. man, people have to people have to take responsibility and, and you know this is this is a great opportunity to do a little self reflection. Yeah. Say, how can I bulletproof myself or at least you know increase my odds of surviving uh, you know a severe illness? Yeah. And, you know if, if you if you're taxing your system with being overweight, with smoking, with vaping. Oh, another bad thing about vaping is this. At least smoking now, you, you kind of have to do it outside and it's got a stigma because you can because you can smell it. Yeah. Right? Vaping, you could sit there and vape in a classroom. Nobody would even know it. That's right. That's right. That, that it doesn't have that kind of stigma. And mm -hmm. going back to what you said about how to make yourself bulletproof, you know, uh, I, I forgot who it was. I, I think it was um, Mark Twight. Mark Twight, um, founder of Jim Jones, he said the point of Jim Jones is uh, to make you harder to kill. You're going to get killed at some point. Something Ooh. is going to kill you. We're all going to die. But we're all going to die, but you got to make yourself uh, harder to kill, meaning you got to give yourself every God-given chance yes. to survive what you can survive. So were we caught? The big question is, were we caught unprepared? The mass population. Yes. If you're running out of toilet paper, clearly your supply chain was caught with their pants down, right? If if somehow this is the time where you're considering your overall health, mm -hmm. you got caught with your pants down also. Because this is the time where the most important thing that you need to arm yourself against a virus is your health if you're not optimized for it and when i say optimized you have to have good cardiovascular conditioning yes. good cardiovascular health good metabolic health mm -hmm. good nutrition and then you got to have good musculoskeletal health too because and i'll share this with you a colleague sent me uh 
uh, something that said a colleague of his died mm. and very young from COVID sent me a picture. And the, one of the main takeaways was that he was young. He was so young and so fit. And I saw the picture and I was just blown away because he looked like a bodybuilder. He looked fit. Mm-hmm. But one of the main paradigms that we're, we've been talking about in the last eight or 12 years as this has evolved is you can be healthy but not fit. You can be fit but certainly not healthy. Yes. So the conversation now has broadened. So we can't just say, uh, even if you're fit, COVID spares nobody. Well, wait, what is, again, what was your blood panel? Mm-hmm. What were your levels of stress? What were your inflammation markers? Yeah. So it does lead to that type of uh, thinking and conversation. Oh, yeah. You know, because people, are, you know, they, they, they want to point it out to one thing. It's never, it's always a multi-pronged approach. Yeah. You yeah. know, you have to, you have to be healthy. You have to be fit. You have to be careful of what you put in your system. How many yeah. times have we seen people who, oh, they're thin, but like you said, you take their, their, their blood panel. It's horrific. It's horrific. They have terrible muscle tone, you know? Uh, you know? And then, and then you can say the same thing uh, right now about what's happening to our economy, right? You have some companies or you have some individuals. You know, uh, on on their social media, they have the Ferrari, they got the Rolex, and oh wait, we're shutting down for a month. Yeah. Oh my God, I gotta liquidate everything. Like, wait, wait, wait. So, how well off were you? Yeah, <laughs> if you have to liquidate everything, we're only shut down for four weeks. You know, you know, you'll be fine. You, you're supposed to be fine. What do you mean you're selling the Ferrari? Oh, I gotta sell everything now. I gotta pay my creditors. You know, I gotta pay my creditors, Vinny the Shark, all these other guys. You know. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So on the one that's on the one end, but then on the other end of it, the physiological side of it is that it does ask us a very important question when we're talking about health and fitness. Meaning, how physically fit are you? How mm-hmm. metabolically fit are you? And also, how psychologically fit are you? That's the other one. I mean, there's people jumping off of bridges, jumping right. off of bridges because of this. You and you've been. You've been in your own home for yeah. four weeks, your own home, the safest place in the whole world, yeah. the one you're paying your mortgage on, your rent on, and you can't sit in place in your own home. God forbid when the aliens finally uh, <laughs> arrive and you're not safe in your own home, you know, yeah. God help you. Yeah. This is this is supposed to be a fortress. Yes. But. But we're finding now that the real fortress is this is it is here. This is all it's it's all the attitude. That's why I've been trying to put forth a positive message every day. You know, do something positive today. That's one of the reasons I'm 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 leading my classes. I want my people to have that contact with me every single day. You know what? Get up, do something. I put out a post the other day, and I said, you know what? Stick to a schedule. Get mm-hmm. up at the same time. Huge, huge. Get showered, get changed, get dressed, do everything. And, it, you know, if you are not going to work, well, then have tasks set for the day. Yeah. Accomplish those tasks, but adhere to a schedule. Say, okay, I'm working out from this hour to this hour. I'm going to go for a walk here. I'm going to uh, work on my taxes here. I'm going to, I'm going to paint. 
<laughs> you know, yeah. uh, whatever. I'm gonna work on a project in my house. Whatever it is, you gotta and complete you, it. Get up and move. Be productive. Yeah. Human beings are meant to be productive, and this is a, a huge issue I see with people being unproductive. Because when you're unproductive, you feel worthless. And you know, speaking of that, I love that what you said, worthless, because so much of what's actually being uh, what we feel is an attack psychologically mm -hmm. is our own sense of identity. Well, if I'm not working, who am I? Right. If I'm not working out, who am I? If I'm not with my friends, if I'm not hanging out with them, drinking, vaping, whatever, <laughs> then who am I? Well, you're asking some of those very important questions that Zen monks have been asking themselves for 2000 years, which is, well, who am I if I'm not the, the king of Kung Fu and, you know, yeah. I don't have all of these um, amazing things around me? It's a very important question. So you can do one of two things. And I love what you did because I think that's the one that's most accessible. You, you got to create a list. Greatest enemy, you know this as a martial artist, your greatest enemy is your mind. That thing can do so many wild things to you mm -hmm. if you don't give it tasks. 9 a.m., you got to crush this. 9.30, you got to crush this. Because, excuse me, if you leave the mind alone, for a while and you meditate or let's say you're doing nothing the mind starts to do very wild things there was a study i read with uh it was done with apes in the 1980s right and what they did was they gave them a puzzle and you fix the puzzle food came out right so th these uh gorillas they're like i'll fix the damn thing give me my ham right yeah. give me my ham sandwich right fix the thing ham sandwich fix the thing ham sandwich then one day there was no ham sandwich fix the thing ham sandwich nothing wait i thought there was a ham sandwich coming and then they, they said well what are they going to do they kept fixing it and then the next part of the test was they just kept giving them ham sandwiches so no direct cause and effect this is what the apes did. They started forgetting about the ham sandwich and they created a whole nother puzzle, a whole nother problem. So the conclusion of the test is that before food, before survival, the mind actually, even the, the, the simian mind, simian mind. Yeah. has to have a problem to solve. Because if it doesn't have a problem to solve, it will create a problem. And this, re this relates to a very famous quote by Jack Nicholson. And he, he was in an interview and they asked, and he, he said, well, with women, if they ask you to fix yourself, don't fix yourself. And they, the interviewer said, why? Because if you fix yourself, they got nothing to fix. <laughs> but it leads to that same idea that mm -hmm. you got to give yourself something to complete for your psychological health. Yeah. And if you foresee something as a problem, you got to work at it because if you don't do this, your mind does wild things, wild, wild things. You know, it, it's, it's funny that, that this conversation has gravitated to this. 
because I've, I've maintained this is that a couple of things about the mind. One, when you have issues that are started in your head, I maintain, you know, unless you have some type of severe chemical imbalance, which there are certain people that do, but for the most yeah. part, it's started in your head. You can address it in your head. You, you have, have to. to. You, you, have, you to. have to. I had a, uh, it, it's, um, there are two stories that it reminds me of. One was a student of mine and she would always come in with her friend and then I'd teach them martial arts, right? They loved each other. They were always friends, but then they started the class together. And, you know, when you first start the class, um, especially the first three months, you don't let them spar. Let them watch a little bit, you know, hold the pads a little bit, shadow box. And then one day, hey, guys, are you guys ready? Go ahead and spar. And these two lovebirds, these two girls, all of a sudden they're sparring. And then pop, 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 pop. And one of them got this really good job. Boom, just snapped. And her head, her friend's head went back. Boom. And bing, bing. Okay, time. Good stop. The whole thing stops. Everyone's ready to go. But this, the girl who got her nose popped comes to me. Hey, coach, um, can I talk to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, I, um, this is, makes me uncomfortable, but. I think my friend hates me. <laughs> Why? Why do you say that? You know, never told you this, but in the past couple of days, you know, in the cubbies, when she, I put my shoes here, and every time this, her shoes starts to kind of move towards my cubby. Okay, what's the problem with that? Yeah, but, but it does. It's and then before you know it, it's also her hand wraps. Her hand wraps are a little more towards the cubby, and I think like she's. She's kind of threatened by me. And today it really came out. I said, well, what do you mean? She hit me so hard with that jab. I know she meant it. She really meant it. And I had to sit her down and I said, hey, I'm sorry you feel that way. I get it. I understand. You're going through an adrenaline dump right now. Okay. And when you have adrenaline in you, you think everybody hates you. <laughs> you think everyone, I promise you. Did you love your friend when you came here? Oh, yeah, of course I love her. So what changed? Take a drink. Take a deep breath. Get some water. Let the adrenaline come out of you because once the adrenaline is gone, I promise you, you're going to be friends again. Yeah. But in that presence, in that exact presence, her mind went all types of directions. Oh, so, yeah. it's, so can you imagine the adrenaline dump everybody's going through now? When they're on social media, uh -huh. get wound up, and and then all of a sudden they wake up and it's ten in the morning, yeah, right. And they got three hours of sleep because they've been listening to all types of news outlets. And then Master Phil comes on, and Master Phil puts on uh, some some comment. It just says something like, "You know, I think we got to think about other perspectives." How dare he put other perspective There's only one perspective. Biochemistry, man. Biochemistry. You're you're covered in adrenaline. You take it off. You know, move around a little bit. Take a couple of kettlebells. That's your friend, man. 
it, it's so funny because when we're, when we're talking about this stuff, it also it also leads into other things about what what happens with the mind and the psychological realm. Is that you know we our bodies are made to deal with stress and ups and downs. Yeah. They're made to. And the thing is that, you know, if you go way back when we were created, running around the jungle, whatever, and, uh, you know, a lion's chasing you. Hey, come on in, kiddo. A lion's chasing you. And you you get that adrenaline up here, right? And you know what? Oh, yeah, you got you to gotta get out of there. And and you deal with it. Right. Now, the, thing, the, the problem with now is that, you know, we don't have that. So the, so the mind left to its own devices. And if you're not busy focusing on tasks, or being productive, the mind is going to create these scenarios. Yeah. This, this know, is the lion now. This you, is the lion now. This, this, <laughs> yeah, that's the lion. That's the lion. You know, um, <laughs> you can't get away from this lion. You can't, can't get away from it. <laughs> you know, with the, uh, my, guys, this is my daughter, age of my youngest. Hey, daughter. how's it going? Good. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and so I try to, she doesn't understand. I try to limit her use of electronic devices. Because they will possess Mark. your soul, what? Your, soul. <laughs> your soul, and destroy your mind. <laughs> I knew it was about to destroy mine, but I didn't know just possessing your soul. That sounds like a demon. It is. It's the demon. No. <laughs> you know, uh, in the uh, the Tokugawa era, so there was a Japanese civil war that went on for like several hundred years, yeah. and after that, one guy came out, and he was his name was Tokugawa, right? Then he told all the samurai, all right, so there are no more wars. I know you guys have been bred to do this for the last 500 years. Hate to say, guys, but there are no more wars. So I got to start laying some of you off. Which is true. He, he started laying them off. How do you lay off a samurai? Yeah, you, you just got <laughs> you're good. We're good here. We're good. We're good. And, and the worst part was he took all of their swords which uh, traditionally was like an extra six inches longer. Mm -hmm. And then the handle was another six inches longer. So you could get really get that leverage. Oh, yes. Because you had to cut through all the armor. Mm -hmm. He cut both ends off. So a lot of the samurai swords that you see nowadays, the ones that are like from 1600s onwards, are actually the modified ones, kind of sanitized ones. Yeah, yeah. So these samurai who their whole life was, I wanted to die on a battlefield with 80,000 other samurai. Right. Now you're telling me I have to be a farmer, right? <laughs> this was horrendous to them. So what did they start doing? They started dueling each other. Yes. Because if you're a samurai and your sword was just cut in half and you're walking down a road and you see another guy who also got laid off <laughs> from the opposing side, by the way, you're going to lose it a little bit. Oh, so yeah. Part of the problem that the Tokugawa had was he was getting reports. Hey, you know all the guys that we laid off? Yeah, well, they're killing each other on the street. <laughs> Not a good look. Not no. a good look. We got to do something. So the whole code of Budo around, all right, guys, we have a whole new creed. If you want to stay a samurai, you got to learn calligraphy. You got to submit these, right? So I can review. You got to learn how to do the bonsai tree thing. Yep. You got to learn the tea ceremony. You got to learn how to do all these mundane things if you're going to stay a samurai. So if you're going to stay a samurai, you got to learn how to do these very mundane things. So I'm sure 
because we have this very very nice image of a samurai being very peaceful making the tea but i'm sure there were a lot of them like freaking tokugawa <laughs> i got your tea right here ah, here's my calligraphy right so you got that but the point there is the same what do you do when you take away someone's thought process around their identity and now they don't even know how to relate to themselves well that's kind of what's happening here right now with our quarantine. Yep. You're not that guy who's working, you know, 80 hours a week anymore. So who are you? Right? Yep. You're not that person who goes hangs out uh at night with your friends. Oh yeah, and that uh side hustle that you've been meaning to work on, well and but you never had time for, no excuse. Now what? <laughs> all types of cognitive dissonance, all types of narratives are being blown up. And what do we do? Well, luckily, we don't have swords. We're not dueling with each other. But we are choosing to duel with each other on social media. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> the sword. That's what happened. That's, That's what happened. And it's over dumb things. Stupid. It's like, I loved Return of the Last Jedi or whatever the hell that movie. I love The Last Jedi. What? Here we go. <laughs> How could you love that? We it's enjoyed the ruin really that. Ripple. Yeah, it was worth it. It did ruin it. Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks was there. No, he was not. And then back and forth. And it's, but it's the same idea when you take someone's identity. And this is our one of our problems right now. One of our problems when you, you're not healthy, you're not working out, you don't have a routine. You're like the samurai who's walking around without a sword and you're going to fight anyone and anything over any reason or no reason whatsoever. Yes. And it's, it's easy. It's now is the time to talk to my man, master Phil. I'm, I'm a general manager now, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm a regional. I'm the corporate guy. If, if you have an HR issue, you come talk to me. Okay. But <laughs> The guy who has the actual knowledge, my man, uh, Master Phil, and all of our colleagues, you know, Mac Shank, all those guys, reach out to them. This is the time because if you don't do it, you're going to turn, you're going to weaponize that yes. iPhone. And, to, and after four weeks, four more weeks of this, what's going to happen? Nothing. You're back to the same job you hate anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you There's a lot more enemies. Orlando, you a lot more enemies. <laughs> Yeah, and now it's like unfriend, unfriend, unfriend. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. Hey, oh, you know, but I do, I, you know, I do want to mention something else too. Uh, you know, totally off. Yeah. You know, if people have time to read, I think now is a great time to read uh, Intrinsic Excellence. Oh, I think and leadership <laughs> system for personal training. Thank you. So you know, that's uh, Rolando wrote this excellent book. Uh, so I'm giving him a plug here. You know, it's on Amazon. Uh, you can do Kindle if you like. I like I like a real book though. Me, I, I like real. Yeah, books. me too. Yeah. As you can see right here, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got my my stuff's back there. And nice, there. nice. Yeah. I will say this about intrinsic excellence that uh, the 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 goal of it at the time when I wrote it, it was really about well, how do you become successful as a personal trainer? Yeah. But the the real goal of the book was to kind of position it in everybody's minds that whether you're a professional trainer or not, mm -hmm. uh, you're always teaching someone something. 
you're always training someone something, whether you're modeling it or worst case, you're not modeling it. So it is important. Uh, like I mentioned in one of the chapters around sales, somebody offers you an objection. There are three ways to address it. You know, you can negotiate, you can be a little professorial about it, or you can partner with them. That's a life skill. Yes. That's actually a life skill. You know, you and again, uh, you're you're talking to somebody, especially nowadays, where you have very diametrically opposed points of views on everything. The Last Jedi, yay or nay? COVID, yay or nay? You know, so and it's very, very um, polarizing. Yeah, it really is. It is very polarizing. And what I was hoping to do with the book ultimately is that there are life lessons in there wherein if and you and I deal with this uh, all the time, especially when I was a trainer, you have somebody who's who clearly is in need of your services, very obese. And they come to you and they say, my doctor gave me a note, told me that my BMI is 28 and my goal is to go to my high school reunion, meet the love of my life there because I love him so much after all these years. I don't want to fit in this dress and I'm going to make it happen. What do you do? You give her or, or him a questionnaire mm -hmm. and base off and maybe get a little body fat caliper action going, maybe some FMS going. Then at the end of it, you present them something so beautiful, almost uh, medical grade mm -hmm. in terms of how you put together the data how you analyzed it, and then the prescription. This is 10 times better than doing any like lipo interventions or anything like that. And all you got to do is stick with Master Phil for 16 weeks and then, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, whatever. Yeah. How much does it cost? And you give them a number, which is probably the number that they blow on one weekend in the Bahamas anyway. Mm -hmm. And this can change their lives. And this is what you run into. What? Yeah. Why would I do that? That's too expensive. I have a friend down the block, and he told me that you can just do this for free on YouTube. Right? And this is where you and I run into this all the time. And I think fitness professionals in this day and age, in my opinion, and this is what I was trying to say in the book, I think fitness professionals are far more necessary in this day and age more than ever, because we're the ones who deal with cognitive dissonance all the time. Can yep. you imagine somebody coming to you, asking you for help, and then you help them, and then they tell you, how dare you help me? I, I, it, it's, it's really funny. I, I, one time I was uh, talking to uh, this person, and uh, you know, I trained myself to do handstands. Mm -hmm. And this guy's like, oh, yeah, well... Um, you know, how do you do them? I've been working. I've been trying to do them. How do you do them? So I'm like, okay. So I showed him. I said, and I gave him the steps and so forth. I even wrote an article about it uh, for you know, Dragon Door a number of years ago. And then um, he goes, okay, yeah, but I do this. You asked me how to do it. I'm telling you how to do it. Now you're arguing with me. And so I said, I go, how's that working for you? <laughs> <laughs> this is funny. You're gonna love this one. Okay, so people say, you know, my, my gym, uh, you know, we have classes, and and you know, it's only like 165 a month. It's not a terrible it's a amount. Deal. It's, a, it's a great deal. It's a great. Time. I take Adrian out to dinner. It's 150 bucks. <laughs> they open up a new restaurant around the corner from my gym, right? 
There is a line, a line of people around the corner to get into this restaurant <laughs> with their with their bringing their wine or whatever they got in their bag and so forth. And you know they're gonna drop more than that that night. That's right. No doubt. No That's doubt. Right. And and yet their stomachs are hanging over their belts. Right. The bags are here, and then and then they're, they're complaining that they that they have blood pressure pills or that they can't lose weight or they need Viagra or whatever. And I'll tell you what, they're, where are your priorities? I'll tell you, look, I'm 57. My testosterone is 753. Amazing. Okay? Amazing. It's because I take care of myself and because right. of the explosive power training. Okay? I take nothing. Okay? Awesome. You're my, and I tell you, the, with the kind of, like, the example that you lead, you know, with on your social media, with how you how you continue to tell everybody, hey, at this age, uh, you, you're probably like better, the better athlete now than when you were when you were 37 or even 27 years old. Oh yeah, I'm I'm, right. I'm actually, I feel great. Yeah, <laughs> I would. I mean, I hope I stay this way, but I, I feel I feel incredible. I mean, the, the 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 modalities that I train in right now just just help me regenerate. And uh, I mean, I'm doing two a days right now. I feel like I'm in a fight yeah. camp. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome. You should, I'm doing this. I'm doing something very similar. And again, I think a lot of it also comes from you being a very disciplined martial artist. And I think that this is where, like, yeah, uh, individuals like you, uh, individuals who understand the, the struggle that's real for everybody. It's and real. it's very real to have to stay home. I, I had a conversation with my parents about this. Mm -hmm. And uh, interestingly enough, my here's a funny story for you. My dad, who's my first martial arts instructor and to this yeah. day my martial arts instructor uh, you know, to this day right so i had a deadline yesterday i had to send him video of movement with um filipino sticks right long short medium and he gave me this assignment two years ago yesterday was a deadline so i sent the video my dad's like training every day you know he has his own setup he's got sticks metal rods everything you name it he's Right. So he's doing this thing. I send the video and um, if if he's pleased, he'll call me himself. Yeah. If he's not too pleased, he'll have my mom text me. Please don't text. So I get the text. <laughs> <laughs> I get the text. <laughs> my mom just my mom just says. Where's your lateral movement? <laughs> and I text back, you've been to my condo. If I do a lateral movement, I'll kill a cat. Right? <laughs> right? Oh, it's classic. So, the, so, of course, I call and I explain to my dad, no, dad, this movement you gave me, I had it. You saw that? Yes, yes, I saw that. And then what about this? Is this, dad, you're being a little too hard, right? Mm -hmm. So I hand over to mom. Mom and I start talking about something else. Okay, mom, I'll let you go. I'm glad you're happy. You're safe. Love you. I'm hanging up, and I'm here in the back. Lateral movement. <laughs> Dude, I love that. That's <laughs> awesome. Hey, Hardcore. But, but now more than ever, now more than ever, I'm thankful that I have this. Yes. Holy smokes, how thankful I am that my dad – and my mom, my mom was the one who taught me this because when I was a kid, I wanted to hang out with everybody all the time. 
My yeah. mom, the time will come where one day you're gonna learn how you're gonna have to learn how to be by yourself. Now what are you gonna do? Right? <laughs> so here's mom, tiger mom, right? Yeah. <laughs> that lesson stayed with me. And then my dad, um, he went through some things in World War II, and he said, One of these days, you're gonna need this practice. You won't have your fancy barbell, you won't have your fancy training buddies. You won't have your creatine or what have you. All you're going to have is a stick. Now what are you going to do? Right? Dad, come on. It's a bit extreme. Of course, several decades later. Okay, I'll send it. But we're lucky. You're lucky. Yeah. I'm lucky. And I have the, the, the conversation I had with my parents yesterday was, now I get it. I understand why. Many individuals who don't have this are on social media saying, please, and the lockdown. Yeah. And people will say, well, let's end the lockdown because it's worse than this, worse than that. But I think that there's something underneath it because the ask is, please stay at home. And a lot of us assume that home has one meaning. It has one meaning for you, has one meaning for me. It has many different meanings for many different people. And I have a lot of compassion for those individuals uh, who are not like you and me, where we have a practice that centers us. Yeah. We, we have a way of viewing ourselves and saying, well, we're pretty good, but I have somebody in my life saying, yeah, you think you're pretty good, but you miss this. Okay, now I got to go work on something. Mm -hmm. Some people don't, a lot of people don't have that, right? right? And so now they're at home. They already binged on every TV show you can find, and they and they've already text they've texted everybody in their contact list. They've drunk texted all of their exes already, and but now there's another four weeks of this. Now what are you gonna do? Your mind does its thing again. Yeah, yeah. Again, we need purpose. We need purpose in life. Yeah. And yeah. regiment, and we, you know, we're we're bred with the discipline, you know, uh, and and being organized, and that goes a long way. It goes a long way, and you know, it's 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 good to to keep you centered. And you know, hey, look, there's nothing wrong with watching TV or whatever, you know, but have balance. Got to have that balance. You gotta, gotta, have get you know? gotta get up. Gotta get up. I know that, um, especially with. My God, the, the Japanese, because I'm studying um, Japanese swordsmanship nowadays. So while I'm studying Filipino martial arts with my dad mm -hmm. uh, and Filipino martial arts with my other instructor, Armando, a really cool guy. I love him. He's like a brother to me. I'm also studying mm -hmm. Japanese martial arts. And you want to talk severe, man. Yeah. You want to talk severe. Like you're up in the mountains with a wooden replica of what would have been your samurai sword. Yeah. And that's it. You're doing 1,000 reps of the same thing over and over again. Call it, call it. Yeah, call it. Hold on. You're on Master Phil in your corner. Who do, who do we have? Phil. Yeah. Filipino. Hey, Coach. How are you? How are you doing? Good, good. Are you uh, calling in to be on the show? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. This guy, who's a guest on the show, he's a, our boxing coach. I love him. He is incredible. Super. Um, yeah. So, uh, so coach, you got a uh, got a question for the uh, for the crew or a statement or yes, sir. I do. It's a great podcast, by the way. Oh, thank you. 
Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I could send them. I could send them a link. I could bring them on video wise too. My question is related to what you guys have been talking about the, uh, you know, the amount of obesity in the country and people don't seem to have that drive and. Yeah. I guess my question is genetics. Mm. Because like I know myself when I was really young, I always hated to lose, and it, it helped me out, you know. It, but when I competed, I hated to lose. Mm -hmm. And when I always had a, like a drive to to, uh, to want to do things and be better and be better at it and, and continue to do things, I also also liked. I, I enjoyed exercise. I wanted exercise. I wanted myself to look better. So I think there's a lot in genetics that that I obviously I inherited from my parents mm -hmm. somewhere down the line, grandparents. What do the people do? Is, it, is the reason why there's so many people obese in these countries because they don't have those genetics? And what do the people do who don't have that? I mean, I, I've known so many people in my life that just don't don't have that. Right? Mm -hmm. You know, Phil, I, I know you do, and I know, I'm sure you've been around people who have said, be too intense. Oh, yeah. My, uh, my ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> This is just, you know, basically just, uh, just my opinion on this, that it, it, it's it's always more than one element. Um, yes, you know, people do have a genetic predisposition. Um, but, you know, if you look at you look at my direct heritage, you know, my my father was two inches shorter than me, about 100 pounds heavier and died at 66 of a heart attack. Oh. So, you know, um, where are my genetics? So can, can we you can't change your genetics, but you can only play the the cards that you're dealt but you can play a good hand a smart hand um by implementing this drive the the problem i see right now in a societal level is that drive and success are actually kind of downplayed and actually even even um it's it's even seen as a negative and uh you know assertiveness especially for males is seen as a negative attribute right now um you know people say well you know you know, want to move toward more of a uh, you know kind of even playing field and you're supposed to feel bad if you if you win or whatever i mean i look again as you i hated to lose you know almost winning i you know i never really celebrated when i won but man i was pissed when i lost right <laughs> You know, so I, you know, I think that, that part of it is genetic and part of it is societal. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what, what do you guys think about that? I, I, I love I, I couldn't agree with you more that you're 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 dealing with are essentially intrinsic and then extrinsic forces. Yeah. Meaning uh, it is important to have that drive, but you have extrinsic forces that say on the one hand, you got to look a certain way, but if you go about it a certain way, I'll be the one to throw it out there. Then what you have is, um, I think it's called uh, toxic masculinity. Nah, whatever. Yeah, like that. Never heard of it. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. So it's, it's thrown out there, right? So on the one hand, you're, you're supposed to succeed. 
you're supposed to achieve the things you're supposed to achieve on the one hand. But on the other hand, uh, does, do the extrinsic standards match up with A, your genetic potential, and B, where you really want to go? And I think that before genetics, and this is something that Master Phil, Doug, and I have all been talking about, is that this is a really great time to really reflect first and ask, well, what do I really want? Because there are, I'm about, I'm five, five, nine, two, oh, six, right? Uh, and no matter how much I love, they say, you know, go for what you love, follow your passion. I can be the most passionate guy about the NBA. I'm never going to be in the NBA. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen, right? Uh, my genetics will not allow me. So, I have to take a look at one, what am I really trying to achieve? That's number one. And number two, what did I, what was I given in terms of my genes? Mm -hmm. I will never, I, based off of what I've seen of Master Phil, uh, in terms of what he can live, what he can do, his, you know, his fast twitch to slow twitch ratio genetically is probably far superior to mine. Very, very different uh, athletes altogether. If I put myself in a situation of, yeah, but I can never be this guy, that's self-defeating. I can never then reach my other genetic potential. So what I would recommend that you do is, number one, what do I really want to achieve? Number two, what is my actual genetic potential and have I tried it? Have I tested it? How far have I gone? Mm -hmm. Then from there... Go to your resources. Go to those coaches who not only have the knowledge, but have the experience. They've been there. This is a, it's a great example here that Master Phil pointed out that, hey, his dad was two inches shorter, 100 pounds heavier. And technically, uh, Master Phil is nine years away from that benchmark when his father passed away. So that's driving him. That's driving him. Like, I'm going to get way past that benchmark. Yes, I am. Right? <laughs> right? So that's what I would those are the two main things. So I guess my question to you then would be, uh, what do you, outside of genetic barriers, what are you hoping to achieve so that you really feel that, man, this is real for me and I can commit my life to it? Is he still there? Yeah, no, he's <laughs> listen, he's a very intelligent guy and he listens. <laughs> you know. so, so that's, so basically, we're saying, you know, okay, we're genetics do play a part, and you know, you can only play the cards that you're dealt. But what you have to do is find the right dealer. Yeah. So that, <laughs> you know, right. Uh, so you know, play and play the right game. Play the game that's going to work for you. You know, I'll never be a gymnast. I'll never be a basketball player, but I'll do the other things that I do. Right. So. And also setting those, goals, setting those goals that like you're setting yourself up for success. So like every time you're completing a goal. Okay. Yes. I wasn't doing it as a full-time job. Right. I was doing it as a part-time because I love it. So when people came in, and you know a lot of guys are trained to me, a lot of tough guys. Yes. Um, former wrestlers, boxers. And but when when we had people come into the gym, they wanted to train. And then when I watched, and again, 
and maybe this is part of the genetics also. Again, they didn't have to drive. They didn't have to be hard. They didn't, uh, you know, say hard. Let's say hard. Yeah. Common, common term. They didn't have it. So I tell, I tell them, you know, there's another school a mile down the road that way. There's another school a mile down the road that way. Yeah. I think that's where you should go. Because, because I, I wasn't doing it for a living. So, and I didn't want, they didn't fit in with the rest of the guys there. They would have gotten, yeah. you know. They would have hurt them. Yeah. can be yeah. fostered because you got it everybody has different triggers you know everybody has 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 something that's going to spark it it's got to come from within them but a good mentor trainer coach whatever you want to call them will find it in that person and bring it out yeah um and sometimes sometimes you, you do it and you don't even know you're doing it <laughs> yeah know? you know there's things i said and, and you know things i've done or whatever say well what made you oh gosh you know Six months ago, when I saw you do this, I'm like, I want to be able to do that, you know. And and you don't know what what it's going to be. Sometimes you have no idea. So if you you know, it's very difficult to say, oh, well, this is the formula I use. This is that. Do I use a set of different tactics? Yes. But you know what? I, I treat it like jujitsu match. I kind of roll with it and see which direction it goes. Um, you know, and and what is going to trigger that that inspiration in that person. So, yeah. you know, uh, is drive connected to genetics? I, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know. Maybe, uh, I think some instances it is, Yeah. but in other instances, you know, it's hiding it. Cause I've seen some people who can't chew gum and walk at the same time. And man, they got some serious drive, you know, yeah. uh, and, and nothing will stop them. And they just keep going. You know, they're just like, they're just not going to stop, not going to stop. And you know what? They're going to be successful. They will have success. Maybe they're not going to be a world champion kickboxer, 
But you know what? They're going to lose weight, get in shape, and they're going to be better than they were before. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's um, – it's – drive is one of those intangibles. I know when I was starting out as a trainer, I approached one of the senior guys, and apparently he was the top performer there for two years. And I, I talked to him. And I said, so what do you do? He said, you got to want this more than anything. And I, and then when I became a manager, I became his manager. I went back to him and I said, so how do I hire people like you? He said, the same thing, drive. You got to look for drive. So, uh, very humble guy. Love him to death. Uh, and, uh, he's out in San Diego now still with Equinox, but out in San Diego. But the, it, it, it's something that has, that has plagued many martial artists, many strength athletes, many competitive athletes, many soldiers over the years, how do I motivate my guy, let alone myself, to go do something so uncomfortable, but I got to achieve it. I, I got to find a way to, to achieve it. And it's, um, it's, it's different for everybody. Like what um, uh, Masterfield said here, that it is different for everybody. There's, um, there are individuals out there who respond to, a lot of extrinsic motivation, meaning they got someone on the outside as a taskmaster saying, that's pretty good, but you suck here. And if you don't do this, you will always suck right about here. And depending on the relationship that you have with that person, uh, that may crush you, you may make it. And then you have that very, very rare individual, guys like, uh, Bruce Lee, who you didn't have to motivate him. He was born motivated. You know, he woke up and he, he just said, I need to be this perfect martial artist. But those are very rare. So what I would suggest is if you can, if you can. And look, me, I've been a martial artist since I was six years old. So going on 41 years now, I still have my dad breathing down my neck on lateral move. I'm I'm a professional. All right. I'm an instructor. I have students, all these things. But this guy, and he's already in his like early 80s, and he still says lateral movement because I need that. I need someone to tell me this is what you're not doing. And I think that along with genetics as a limiting factor, we have to be careful in this society that we no longer allow for the taskmaster. It's always... You won for participation. Thank you. Medal for participation. Thank you. You yeah. finished fifth. Well, fifth is also pretty good. Here's your medal for that. You don't have somebody breathing down your neck uh, like the, the emperors of Rome. Whenever they came back from battle, there was a guy when they would go parade in front of Rome and everyone's going, oh, Emperor Rolando, you made it. Yay. There's some guy you know, holding a, um, a fig leaf or a, a, on top of his head and it's supposed to be his crown, but they leave it right above his head, not on it, just above his head. And he's saying in Latin, glorious fleeting, glorious fleeting, glorious fleeting. He's reminding him that whatever you're experiencing now, this isn't it. There's something else. And that's one thing we don't have anymore, I think, in our education system, yep. in our coaching athletic system. A lot of enabling, yes. a, lot, a lot of, um, you know, you, you, 
you hear this a lot, you know, the softening of America, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But what it really is, is that we no longer allow in society for the taskmaster. In Bushido, the whole thing was covered by taskmasters. You couldn't even enter a dojo without someone cracking you on the head because you bowed wrong. You bowed at the wrong time. You didn't tie your belt the right way because they knew that if you're going to go to that next level, you couldn't do it from the inside. Someone on the outside had to be driving you. And a lot of times that guy is not, or gal, is not someone you're necessarily going to like. Yeah. Not, and you're not even going to like what they're saying half the time. And that to me is the role of a coach. The one who's just going to shoot you straight between the eyes and going to say, bro, you did that wrong. You can do better. I know it right now. You done messed up. You got to do better. That, I think once we allow for that back into our realm, into our circle, and we allow that individual back into our realm, I think we can break all types of barriers, genetic just being one of them. That's a good point. Good point. No, but uh, excellent, excellent talk today, guys. We're going we're gonna we're gonna really eat up a lot of YouTube time and uh, <laughs> time on the on the podcast. I got I, I got this one question. I know I I feel like you're gonna wrap it up. I got one yeah. question that goes with this. One, uh, do you think any foods involved could help you drive? And two, if uh, someone wanted to get up and start doing something tomorrow and complete a goal, like what? What are some things they could do? Like I know like the military, like they make their bed every morning so they feel like they feel accomplished something. I finished a task, so they want to move on to the next task. Yeah. Is there any anything like that? Good, Rolando, you take it. Uh I know as far as motivation is concerned, it's uh everybody's different. So in terms of food, right? What food can you ingest to help you feel more motivated? So First disclosure, everyone is different. They respond to carbs differently, respond to proteins. But if there's one food that you're going to need, it's an absolute superfood that you're going to need. As a macro, you're going to need protein in there. You're going to need it. From There was, I forgot what the source was, but one of the main reasons why they said that Cro-Magnon man was able to beat out Neanderthal man. I was just going to bring that up. Yeah, all right. So here we go. Because... Yep. Cro-Magnon had a lower voice box. The Neanderthal had a higher voice box. So Cro-Magnon, since they had lower voice boxes, they could hunt and gather because they could speak in low voices. That way they could coordinate when they took down the um, the mammoth elk, right? Uh, the Neanderthals couldn't do that because they had higher voice boxes. They couldn't whisper because everybody could hear them, right? So the idea is that once they had protein, animal protein in their system, the brain was able to evolve. So number one, you got to get your protein in there. Good for your brain, good for your system. That's number one. The one thing I would do tomorrow, if you want to start, it's the easiest, simplest thing. You've known this exercise your whole life. Get some good old-fashioned push-ups in there. Just just bang them out. Before. What do I say, Doug? Every time. Yeah. Okay. What, are, what are the three? Let me put them up there. What are the three things you got to do every morning, Master Every morning I get up, 50 squats, 50 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, and 10 bridges. And there then I go. do my neck exercise and stretch every day. It takes me five.
spot set up, so it was the last one, Bridges? Squats, they, they suck the most, so I, I'm going to do squats. List. Squats, push-up, sit-up, Bridges. Boom. And then get yourself a kettlebell. That's it. Start swinging. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have to probably wait because uh, there's none of them available. But, I've got a full <laughs> set here, but each kettlebell is going to cost you about two thousand bucks. I'm never going <laughs> to. How much you want it? How much you want it? <laughs> That's, how badly do you want it? <laughs> uh, hey guys, great, great talk today, Coach Joe. Thanks for calling in. And uh, all right, great. Take care, Coach. So, um, guys, before we wrap up, I have to do my shameless plug because we do have the uh, American Eagle Live. We have over 50 videos right now up on Facebook. Uh, and my secret group, if you want to join it, just just hit up uh, us at philross.com or send me a PM and we'll get you involved. And uh, also have the Body Bell Method certification. Body Bell Method certification. Um, it's going to be online. When are we going to have that online, Doug? The, the certification will be up any day now. I mean, it's pretty much it's pretty much ready. So once people start ordering it, we'll be able to send it to them. And um, and then we also will have one here at my studio in July on the 19th. And I'm scheduled to do one in Maryland. We're just picking out the date right now. I'll do one out in um July 19th, correct? July 19th? July 19th, yep. July 19th, we're having a Body Bell Method seminar. Oh, and it's all, you also get ACE credits for it. So, Rolando, Rolando, do you want to uh, promote anything before we we go? I know you're, you're the manager at Orange Theory right now. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I'm, I'm all good. I guess if anything, um, if I'm going to promote anything aside from the – the amazing certifications that you have uh, as much as possible. Everybody here needs to be just a little more empathetic. Try to see the other person's point of view, uh, promote compassion because I think that's what's everyone. This is what's going to get everybody through this thing. We don't have the whole picture. We don't completely understand. There's just as much information and there's like twice as much misinformation. So if we're, very understanding of each other, compassionate and empathetic towards each other. We'll make it through and we'll come out of this uh, all the better. And I, I, I really believe that. I think we will. And uh, I agree hundred percent. And we, uh, we have to stick together. We're all in this together. Life, we're all in it together. Yes. Okay, guys. Great work today. Again, Rolando, thank you for being on. You're an awesome guest. Dougie Fresh, always excellent. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Master Phil signing off. Master Phil in your corner. Strength and honor. Woo! Oh.